Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Dr. Mimi here from The Skin Reel. Thank you much for tuning in to this week's episode. I am recording this at the time on my family's beach vacation. So if you are watching on YouTube, you may notice a slightly different background. At the time of this recording, it is summer and it is hot, especially in my hometown of Atlanta. The temperatures are nearing 100 degrees. So they don't call it Hotlanta for nothing. So I thought, what better topic to talk about right now when it is so hot out than sweating, right? Who is not sweating right now when it's 100 degrees out? And sweating is a totally normal thing that happens. And in fact, we have to sweat. It is incompatible with life if we don't sweat. Sweating is a normal function of our body, and it's actually how we cool down our core temperature. And believe it or not, dermatologists are experts at sweating, and that's because our sweat glands are considered skin appendages. Our sweat glands are formed and part of our skin makeup. And we have over 3 million sweat glands on our body, and that includes a mix of Eccrine sweat glands, as well as apocrine sweat glands. And I will go over the differences in those in just a second. Eccrine sweat glands, those are the ones that we have all over our body and they start functioning right at birth. They produce an odorless, light, clear sweat. And we have them on all parts of our skin with the exclusion of our lips, where we do not have sweat glands. Now, we have sweat glands in the skin right above our lips, but not on our actual lips. The main function of these eccrine sweat glands is thermoregulation. And that is just a fancy way of saying it keeps us cool. When our core body temperature goes up, we start to sweat. And when we sweat, sweat, which is mostly made up of water, that is extruded to our skin surface, and then it's evaporated. And when that happens, it cools off our body. It's kind of like our own natural air conditioning, if you will. And I think everyone listening or watching can relate, right? When you're hot, when you're exercising, you start to sweat. 
Now, some people will have different levels of sweating. Some people sweat a lot with minimal exercise or heat, it seems like, and other people sweat less. So there is some genetic variability, but universally, when your core body temperature goes up, you will start to sweat. Something I've always found interesting is that dogs don't sweat, and that is why they pant. They are panting to cool off, to lower their core body temperature. And humans can also do that as well. If you ever breathe in and out through your mouth, that's another way of trying to cool your core body temperature. But today we're talking about sweat, right? And we know a lot about sweat because we've studied people who actually cannot sweat. And there's a genetic condition where children are born without sweat glands and sometimes a variable amount of sweat glands. And this is known as anhydrotic ectodermal dysplasia. And unfortunately, these kids cannot regulate their core body temperature. And so they are heat intolerant. It is critical that these kids do not get overheated because unfortunately, they cannot cool their body temperature down via sweating. So eccrine sweat glands are everywhere except for the actual lip. In contrast, apocrine sweat glands are not everywhere in our body. These are more on areas like our groin, our armpits, and our scalp. And these do not develop until puberty. And they produce a heavier, fattier sweat that when mixed with bacteria on our skin can produce what we know of as body odor. And that is why we typically don't have body odor until puberty and beyond because these apocrine sweat glands do not develop until that time. So sweating is something that is not under our conscious control, right? You don't think to yourself, I'm gonna start sweating now. It's something that just happens. It is under control of what's known as our autonomic nervous system. And things that trigger it are when, again, our internal body temperature rises. It's a way to cool us off. But it also happens when we are anxious or we're scared or we're nervous. And again, it's not under our control. It just happens. And there's some people who have this happen so much that it actually disrupts their life and their quality of life where they cannot even shake hands with someone because they are sweating so much. And that is called hyperhidrosis. And I'm gonna delve into that a little bit deeper in a minute. The main nerve conductor or neurotransmitter that triggers sweating is something called acetylcholine. And if you've ever watched or heard someone talk about how botulinum toxin works, then you may recognize this neurotransmitter known as acetylcholine because that is actually what botulinum toxin targets. It inhibits the release of acetylcholine at these nerve junctions, which we use cosmetically and medically to prevent muscles from triggering and firing. But acetylcholine also is what triggers sweating. And we actually use that to our benefit. So if someone has a problem with hyperhidrosis or excessive sweating, we can actually inject botulinum toxin. So Botox, Xeomin, Daxify, et cetera, into the areas of overactive sweating and actually prevent the excess sweating. And you may have noticed this if you get botulinum toxin for cosmetic reasons. You may notice if you get it on your forehead, hey, I'm not sweating there in my yoga class, but I am sweating on my cheeks or my neck or my scalp. But your forehead, you may notice, 
does not sweat. And that's because botulinum toxin, again, inhibits the release of acetylcholine, which causes muscles to fire, but also triggers sweating. So that's just kind of an interesting pearl if you're wondering, why do we use things like Botox and neuromodulators to treat excessive sweating? It's because the target acetylcholine is the same. Now, there are other reasons why people may sweat a lot. Sometimes it's the medications you're on. So if you have chronic pain, and you're on opioids or morphine, or if you are someone who is using these drugs, unfortunately, recreationally, you can have excess sweating from this. Sweating can also be a sign of a fever or an infection. You may notice you are sweating when you have the flu. And that's because your body temperature is going up as you're trying to fight that infection. And as your body temperature goes up, you are going to start to sweat to cool down. Another cause of excess sweating can be cancer. And this is why your doctor, if you go see your doctor, may ask about something called night sweats. This can be seen in cancers like lymphomas and other conditions. Sometimes it's the first symptom where someone is drenching their bed at night, having to change their pajamas, change their sheets because of this excessive sweating. And this can actually be a sign of an internal malignancy. Sweating also can just happen when our blood sugar is low or you get lightheaded or you faint. Sometimes the first sign I notice in my patients when they are getting close to fainting, what we call vasovagal, is that they will start getting beads of sweat on their forehead and start to get lightheaded. So there are a number of reasons why people sweat, some that are reversible and controllable, but mostly not. So what is sweat? Sweat is mostly water. It's predominantly water, but it's also made up of electrolytes like sodium chloride, potassium, bicarb, and then some inorganic compounds like urea, ammonia, and lactate. And when this sweat mixes with bacteria on the skin, that is what can cause odor. If you are someone who is an athlete or you are at the gym and you are sweating a ton, it's important not to just drink water because again, you are sweating not just water, but you are also sweating these electrolytes out. So it's important to drink a sports drink, right? That has electrolytes to replenish those that are also lost in your sweat. So that is why those sports drinks are around because when you are sweating excessively, you are losing more than just water and you do need to replace those electrolytes that you have lost. One condition that affects the sweat glands is something known as cystic fibrosis, which is a fairly common genetic condition in certain populations. In this condition, the sweat has too much sodium chloride, the electrolyte sodium and chloride, and this actually clogs the sweat glands. And this is so pathognomonic for cystic fibrosis, meaning it's so telltale sign of cystic fibrosis that you can actually do a sweat test and measure the amount of sodium chloride in the sweat. And when it's elevated, that is pretty diagnostic that someone does have cystic fibrosis. So in this condition, the elevated amounts of electrolytes clog the sweat glands and they have inappropriate sweating and an abnormal composition of their sweat. So I mentioned earlier that hyperhidrosis is excessive sweating. And you may feel like, hey, I have excessive sweating, but if it's not interfering with your life and your day-to-day -day activities, then it's normal. 
However, when it's interfering with your day-to-day activities, when it's interfering with your work and your life, then that is considered a medical condition that does warrant treatment. If you just sweat a lot at the gym when you're working out and have to take a shower, that's totally normal. But if you have such sweaty palms at work that you cannot even shake hands or you are sweating through your clothing at work and have to change multiple times a day, then that is interfering with your life and that does warrant treatment. Fortunately, there are some things that we can do to help with these conditions. Number one, make sure it's not something reversible. You will want to look at your medications with your doctor and make sure that you are not on a medication that could be increasing your sweating. You would also want to talk to your doctor because maybe your sweating is due to hormonal fluctuations like menopause, which I should have mentioned earlier, that's a big cause of excessive sweating. Because of the hormonal fluctuations during menopause and perimenopause, women can get what's known as hot flashes, their body temperature rises, and then they start to sweat. So if you're having these conditions, you would want to talk to your doctor to talk about ways to mitigate that and maybe help balance your hormones. You also want to rule out infections or or cancer because again, those are secondary causes of hyperhidrosis and you wouldn't want to miss something like that. But say all of those have been ruled out, you don't have cancer, you're not on any medications that could be causing this, and your hormones are in check and balanced. What can you do just to mitigate excess sweating? First and foremost, make sure you're wearing light, breathable clothing. And especially when you're working out, you want to avoid cotton clothing. Those are not very breathable. You want to look for clothing that says it wicks away sweat and dries quickly so that you are not just wearing just sopping wet clothing. When you're outdoors and you feel like you're getting hot, seek shade. Go somewhere cool. Step inside where there's air conditioning if you can. Wear a hat. And people find this counterintuitive, but I always tell people, wear a long sleeve shirt. Again, a breathable shirt, not a cotton shirt. Something that is light, breathable, wicks away sweat. That is really going to help keep you cool. It's almost like having shade directly over your body. But people in their heads think, a long sleeve shirt when I'm hot, that doesn't make sense. That sounds like I'm going to be super hot. But if you buy these, especially sun protective clothing or these active wear material, it's actually going to keep you cooler. And I like to liken it to people who live in very arid, desert-like conditions. Think of the Middle East. What do people wear out there, you see the men wearing these long tunics and covering their heads, covering their bodies. It's very lightweight. It's very breathable. It's not tight fitting. And that's because it is keeping the sun off their skin and helping them stay cool. If you are sweating a lot, you are going to want to use an antiperspirant. Now, there is a difference between antiperspirants and deodorants. Antiperspirants are going to actually prevent you from sweating. They are going to block the sweat from getting to the surface of the skin and making you sweat. Deodorants do nothing to stop you from sweating. Deodorants are really more just to mask any potential smell. So if you are sweating a lot, you are going to want to use an antiperspirant. Now, most people use an antiperspirant in their armpits, but if you find you are always sweating on your palms, sometimes we actually recommend people put it on their palms or put it on the soles of their feet if those are areas where they are having excessive sweating. After sweating, you're going to want to make sure you take a shower, rinse off, cool off. 
Again, a cool shower after sweating, that's going to help remove any sweat and bacteria from your skin, keep you cooler, and get you dry. If you find that you sweat a lot when you eat spicy foods, then you're going to want to avoid those. And you're going to also want to make sure you stay hydrated. Because remember, when you are sweating, you are losing water. But if you are sweating a lot, you're not just losing water, you're also losing those electrolytes. So you're going to want to replace them with some sort of sports drink that replaces the electrolytes as well. What about if your sweat smells? So we've all probably experienced this ourselves or we've smelled it on someone else, right? This is medically known as bromhydrosis and that is when you have what's known as body odor. Typically, this is from your apocrine sweat glands, the sweat glands that are on your scalp, your armpits, and your groin that tend to develop in puberty and beyond. Now, it's not so much that the sweat smells, it smells because your sweat is mixing with bacteria on your skin. And that produces that smell of onions and sulfur. Now, sometimes it can be due to things you're eating. There are some foods and even alcohol that I know sometimes it feels like it's just pouring out of your pores. And that's because components actually are. So if you are finding your sweat is smelling, you may want to look at what you're eating. Are you eating a lot of garlic or onions or curry? A lot of alcohol can do this and cruciferous vegetables like cauliflower, broccoli, kale, things like that. Those actually can be extruded in your sweat and produce body odor. Things that also increase your chance of having body odor other than your diet are obesity. And again, that a lot of times is from just bacteria maybe being in skin folds that has not been washed off or skin folds where the skin, top layer of our skin known as keratin, gets kind of broken down or what we call macerated, and that can increase the chance of body odor. So if you are experiencing body odor, you may want to look at your diet and make some modifications there or your alcohol intake. You will want to use an antiperspirant or deodorant. And remember, again, deodorant is just going to mask the smell. But the best thing you can do when you have body odor is get rid of that bacteria on the skin that's mixing with the sweat to produce that smell. And things like an antibacterial soap can be really helpful. And something as simple as benzoyl peroxide wash, you can use that in the shower on your armpits, in the groin, and that can help minimize the bacteria on the skin, which will make the sweat not smell. And really that can be such a simple trick If you are struggling with body odor, use an antibacterial soap or benzoyl peroxide. Another little trick that you can do to help with excessive sweating and body odor would be to put on your antiperspirant at night. That's because it gives it more time to work. I know a lot of times I do this in the morning right after my shower. My skin is probably still wet a little bit and I just slap on my antiperspirant super fast, but I'm not really giving it chance to work. So the best time to put on your antiperspirant is actually the night before to give it a chance to work and to put it on clean skin and dry skin. When you put it on wet skin, it's not going to be as effective. 
So what do dermatologists recommend for an antiperspirant? So again, remember antiperspirants are going to prevent you from sweating. Deodorants are just going to mask the smell. So I don't love deodorants because again, I think rather than trying to mask the smell, just use a benzoyl peroxide wash or an antibacterial soap so that you don't have the bacteria on your skin. But for an antiperspirant, if you want to minimize your sweating, look for something that has aluminum chloride or aluminum zirconium. And you can get up to 20%. And if you are someone who sweats a lot, I really recommend getting the 20% as that is going to be more effective. So how do these antiperspirants work? What they do is they you apply it to your skin and then it binds up water, which again, most of our sweat is made up of water and it binds it up and prevents it from being excreted onto the skin surface. And it can be super effective. And again, you can also use it on other parts of your body that are sweating. Maybe it's your palms. Maybe it's the soles of your feet. Maybe it's in the groin. You can actually put your aluminum chloride there as well or your aluminum zirconium. Tricks to using it, apply it at night. Don't put it on wet skin because again, it's not going to be as effective. It's going to go ahead and start binding that water on the skin surface rather than in the sweat glands, which is where you want it to catch the sweat. Now, I know some people are worried about the safety of aluminum chloride and aluminum zirconium, and they worry that this can cause Alzheimer's or kidney problems or breast cancer because of a few reports. And I want to assure anyone listening or watching that these claims have not been validated or verified at all. In fact, they have been debunked. Aluminum chloride antiperspirants do not cause breast cancer. They do not cause Alzheimer's. They, they are not endocrine disruptors or unhealthy for your body. They are not being absorbed into your bloodstream and into your body. They are simply causing plugs in your sweat gland by absorbing water so that you do not sweat. And they are incredibly safe and incredibly effective. The other nice thing about using these aluminum chloride, aluminum zirconium antiperspirants is that studies have shown that there may be some antimicrobial properties, meaning antibacterial. And again, remember, it's the bacteria mixing with your sweat that causes body odor and the smell. So again, if you are struggling with body odor, excessive sweating, use a 20% aluminum chloride, aluminum zirconium, and it will help and it is incredibly safe. And the reports out there saying otherwise are just not true. If you tend to have sensitive skin, and really I like this for everyone, you don't need a fragrance. You don't need to mask odor. So look for something that's fragrance-free, especially if you have sensitive skin. That's just going to try to mask an odor and it can cause irritation with the fragrances. Your best bet to prevent smelling or body odor is to, again, use a benzoyl peroxide wash in the shower to your armpits or groin and to make sure you use your antiperspirant at night. If you are really struggling with excessive sweating, especially if it's in a localized area like the palms of your hand or the bottom of your feet or even your scalp, we can inject botulinum toxin. So Botox, Theamin, Dyspor, Daxify, all of those, we can actually inject into the skin to prevent excessive sweating. And it really does work. And I have a lot of patients who come in about April and we give them their injections and they're good for the entire summer and beyond, which does get really hot where I live. So as we spend time in these hot summer months, at least here where I live, 
be sure to know that sweating, it's totally normal and it's actually a very healthy part of our body's makeup and it's a great way to cool down. But if you are struggling with either body odor or excessive sweating, just know there are things that can be done to help. And be sure to see your board-certified dermatologist for help with your hyperhidrosis or excessive sweating if the things I mentioned here are ineffective for you. If you found this episode useful or helpful, be sure to like and share with a friend and leave a review. That way we can help spread the word about real skin education and guidance to everyone out there. Thanks so much for joining and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, blog posts, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends.